Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished professional from Mumbai, India, Mr. Rahat Kulshresht. Rahat, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. Really excited to see where this conversation goes. Thank you. Rahat is the Chief Executive Officer of Quidditch Innovation Labs. He's the Chairman of the Drone Federation of India. And uh, for the first time, I have a filmmaker turned entrepreneur. So Rahat, my first question to you before we move to Quidditch is tell me about your journey from a filmmaker to founding Quidditch Innovation and what inspired you to start it? So it's it's one of those journeys which when, you know, you look back, you know, you kind of see the path and it makes sense. But if, if I was to look, you know, look at myself 10 years ago, hmm. there was no way that no way in hell that I could predict the journey like this, uh, because it's it's been full of all kinds of randomness, all kinds of moments of pure serendipity. Hmm. Uh, I was I started film in England and, and worked in the film industry in the UK. Uh, and, you know, suddenly had uh, Desh Bhakti Jago in me and be like, Ki, mm-hmm. you know, I have to come back to India. Like, you know, if I stay on any longer, I'll get too used to the systems in the UK and never be able to come back. So I moved back, mm-hmm. uh, directing music videos for about a year and realized that that's not my calling for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and decided to take a break and do a one year, uh, you know, fellowship, uh, um, a liberal arts course at the Young India, at Young India Fellowship at Ashoka University. Yeah. And that's really where, you know, uh, got to do a little bit of self-discovery, play around with, you know, different ideas um, and something as random as a college project, which was an experiential learning module, uh, which my roommate was able to convince me and say that, hey, let's just do a business. You've got this drone. Let's try and set up a drone business and experiment with it. And literally, it was my roommate, Gaurav, who was able to convince me to do this as a college project. Both of us started in college as an experiment. And here we are 10 years later, as a company that's, you know, Amazing. dabbled around with drones in all kinds of businesses. We've shot some of the most incredible Bollywood films, opening sequences from Sanju, Gully Boy, Brahmastra. We've done drone shots for these films uh, to now delivering some of the most incredible technology that you see on your screens when you're watching any kind of sport. So I'm sure we'll go into more details of this. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Fantastic. So now let's come and let's talk about Quidditch Innovation Labs. Uh, you are covering doing both films and um, sports. What are some of the initial challenges you faced as an entrepreneur when you started to get into uh, this business? I think one of the initial challenges for us primarily was was regulation because mm-hmm. you know we were in a in a we we were definitely first movers. Ten years ago, there were no drones. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody knew about them, and you know, there were places where you would fly it, and people would suddenly, you know, fall on their knees and imagine like you know, God has arrived because you've never seen something like a flying object like this. So you know, we came from a place where there was complete unawareness of the technology. Yeah, uh, and I think because of that, there was a lot of regulatory challenges that we had to, had to spend a lot of time trying to navigate and understand. Mm-hmm. I think that was one part of it. The other part was you know, definitely just understanding what it means to bootstrap a business, uh, you know, because we've we spent 10 years bootstrapping the story literally out of a college dorm room into my parents' garage. Uh, and then, and then you know, from there to now, 100 people that are being able to deploy all of these technologies uh, across the globe. Uh, how do you manage, you know, innovation 
in a completely cash strapped environment where you know the only investment that we had was 10 lakh rupees and that was it um how do you go from there to building new pieces of technology and actually being able to create uh, revenue and profitability out of that i think that was another journey that you know mm. took its time for us to pivot experiment learn understand ourselves more and more mm. uh, and then get to a point where we could you know find a good product market fit and and find value that we could create uh, exponentially and and how receptive were your customers you know the, the television programs were broadcasting on sports or the filmmakers to using drones which is a very new medium no great question so i think when we started the exciting part was that we were doing lots of things we were doing anything and everything drones so there were certain industries that were a lot harder to kind of crack into so legacy industries like you know roads mining that kind of stuff it would take like you know 8 10 months to be able to convince somebody that there was something useful film was actually pretty easy because what the drones were doing in film was effectively uh you know replacing a helicopter shot Mm-hmm. uh so you know they already had precedence of something that was happening this was much cheaper much better you know much more capability because you could do the high helicopter shot but then you could also come all the way in into a you know into the house of a of a right. balcony you know the opening shot of sanju where we started from the sea and came all the way uh you know to to the to the window where he was standing um so you know you could do a lot more so film was a lot easy uh sport which is where we spend most of our time the entire business is now you know primarily built around sports technology uh sports was a very interesting one it took its time uh for two years we just did free demos to just you know convince um the bcci and and other clients that you know there is value of of a drone shot in uh in a sports broadcast uh it started with a cold email and and two years of just uh, consistent effort to make sure that yeah we believe it'll work mm. to you know to now making it work for incredible and tell me uh, how do you think drones and robotic camera buggies have changed the narrative of sports storytelling so i'll actually uh, take that to one step further and just sort of generalize it to how technology is actually being able to you know enhance storytelling fundamentally in sport mm-hmm. um i think we we the way sport was broadcast and the evolution of sport kind of started with you being able to hear it on the radio uh you know or or you know initially just read it in a newspaper then you could hear it then you could see it on tv and as sort of the television medium evolved we kind of went from one camera to five cameras to you know 20 cameras to now almost you know between 30 and 40 cameras on a field hmm. uh so we we've, we've been able to exhaust every possible angle um and i think you know what the drone and the buggy do really really well is is add one more layer of of an angle that wasn't possible before so the drone hmm. gives you these shots from outside the stadium so suddenly when you see a match of the uh, happening at the vankade stadium you've got this you know beautiful vankade stadium that you know most viewers have never seen from up above mm. and then you've got the beautiful queen's necklace with a nice sunset happening at the back so you get the sense of the stadium in the context of the city mm. uh, you know which is really nice um the buggy camera brings you really low angle gets you into the action you know when a batsman gets out the buggy goes in follows him out so you can really feel the emotion really get a sense of you know that batsman and what he's feeling as he's lost his wicket uh so you get the viewer right into the action and then what we've been able to do is build layers of technology on top of this so all of the player tracking that you see for example on on any of the cricket globally now where you know on the left side you'll see a green box that comes that shows players moving in real time distances between the players we use a whole ai stack to be able to do that uh and again this becomes very critical for storytelling because you know in cricket we've always heard so many stories about batting and bowling uh but feeling is a very very critical element of the sport 
but there was no camera that actually showed you the whole view of the field and, and could help the viewer understand what the strategy is. Uh, you know, what is the captain and the bowler discussing when he's trying to move this guy back? Why is he moving it back? You had no visual to substantiate that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that discussion. Uh, and suddenly now with QT, which is the Quidditch tracker that shows you all of the live tracking, uh, we're able to build in that entire narrative that shows you a visual for how players are moving uh, on the field. What is the strategy? What they might be thinking? And suddenly mm-hmm. it gives the commentators a visual to be able to help the viewers connect to uh, the fielding narrative of the sport. So, you know, for us, what the question that you've asked is really important because really what we do as a company is use technology to be able to enhance the quality of storytelling and the understanding of the sport uh, for, for the fans sitting at home. You know, I was commenting to someone in the World Cup exactly about Vankheri and I said, what a beautiful view. And now we're getting to see the Queen's necklace. And now I know the man behind it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Wonderful. You. So my next question, Rahad, is how have fans responded to the use of augmented reality in live broadcasting? So I think augmented reality has a really uh, exciting opportunity in it to be able to, you know, what does it do? It gives you a sense of you've got a shot and suddenly you can now create something within the shot that the viewer sitting at home will be like, was that real? Was that not real? What just happened? You know, that that feeling of that little bit of suspension of disbelief to be able to get get viewers excited. And I think that's a really powerful element. We've been able to now you know, build it into the narrative of the sport. So for example, the toss that you see, you'll see the toss happen. And right after that, you'll see a drone shot with a big coin tossing out and it shows you who won the toss. Yeah. Uh, you know, just the fireworks at the end. I think it's such a powerful uh, thing that we've been able to do without actually having to spend all of that money and more importantly, all of that pollution. Mm. We're now able to, you know, the viewers in the field are not able to get the sense that they got when when you saw fireworks, but at least the people at home we gave this beautiful firework display at the end of the match to reveal who was the winner of the game. Mm. Uh, and it does exactly the same thing that, you know, a fake fireworks would have, or a real fireworks would have done, uh, at least for the viewers sitting at home with the same sound effects and the same visualization. So I think the reception of, of you know, from a visual perspective has been great. I think the other thing we're able to do with augmented reality is really bring in some very interesting storytelling points. So, mm. you know, you'll see key milestones come up. You'll see, you know, uh, analysis that you would have, wouldn't have normally seen uh, you know between a batter and a bowler combination or or something about the team that was totally unique and and you know as a viewer you wouldn't have known so we're able to use the augmented reality space on the broadcast as a as a tool to be able to just find very very interesting uh, trivia stories or or just milestones that are really important for the viewers to be able to know and learn and and you know i think it's been great for uh, for the fans sitting at home to be able to enjoy you know the breadth of things that ar gives us amazing amazing uh, you mentioned a few minutes back about now you covering sports all over the world. My next question is, how do you collaborate with sports organizations to ensure that technology actually enhances rather than distracts from the game? That's a really, really important question because it's a it's a very easy trap to fall into. Uh, you know, with, with technology, everybody gets excited and you're like, okay, let's let's try and do this new. Mm. Uh, but it's very important to to ensure that the integrity of the game and the integrity of what really matters in the storytelling of the sport is maintained and and you know the technology doesn't distract so you know it's something that we work very very closely with the producers of the sport because the producer is is sort of the custodian of what is going to be communicated uh, and you know we take our time with every sport so you know it takes a little bit of time to be able to intuitively understand 
what is the broadcast of a sport look like? So for cricket, you know, for us to now build a new technology is easy because we've been doing cricket for now, you know, over six years. We really understand, you know, when we're looking at a shot, we very intuitively know what's the next shot going to be because we've seen so much of it. Mm. So we understand the narrative. And when we're building a new piece of technology, we ensure that, you know, it very seamlessly fits into all of this. We know, you know, who is thinking what before we're building a piece of technology. So what is important for the producer? What is important for the director? What is important for the commentator? Because most importantly, if the visual comes up and the commentator doesn't talk about it, it doesn't help the viewer at all because, you know, suddenly, you know, some technology came, mm. uh, but there's no context to the viewer. So, you know, we've got to ensure that all of these stakeholders understand what the technology is uh, and then in ensure that whatever we are building is, is only adding value and in no way taking away. Uh, and which is why when we enter into new sports, we really take our time. You know, we're doing golf now. Uh, we're doing live golf this month in Abu Dhabi. Uh, we, we we chose to not go in with, you know, very heavy tech. We've kind of gone with simpler stuff. Go in there, really understand what the narrative of the sport is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's like, you know, writing a book or making a film. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can't make the best film as your first film. Mm -hmm. You've got to make a few. You've got to, you know, really get into it. Intuitively understand the process of, you know, what it is to visualize, what it is to look forward, what it is to script, storyboard. So we do, we've got a process like that, like you would do for making a film. We've got a process like that for making our, our technologies uh, for uh, any new sport or for cricket for that matter. And then, you know, we ensure that by design of how we've done it and all of the stakeholders that we've kept in mind, we're able to ensure that we're trying our best not to distract. Uh, I can't say we always succeed. We we do sometimes end up in situations where we are more distracting than we should be. Um, uh, but but the feedback doesn't take long to come back because oh, sport, sport is sport is something that gives you instant feedback. You do something that's annoying, and Twitter you know <laughs> gives you the answer within a few minutes of you having made made that mistake. So I think I think it's great. <laughs> great response. Thank you. My next question, Rahat, is that you know you are in a very competitive industry technologically. What are you doing to stay ahead? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, we've ended up in a time today, Ashutosh, where the speed of technology change has become so fast that, you know, it's it's sometimes hard for us to just stay on the edge. And the only answer to your question is to stay on the edge, is to stay one step, at least even if not ahead today, even just staying at speed with what is happening is important. It was very funny. I was having a conversation with somebody about this tracking technology that we built. Uh, and, you know, I was talking about it and you were like, I was like, when we were building it, you know, beginning of COVID, it was early stages of AI. And he looked at me and he's like, you're talking about three years ago. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly I thought about this and I was like, my God, like, you know, literally yeah. it felt like three years ago was early days of AI. And today mm. we are in a place where, you know, suddenly when we're talking about AI, the meaning of that word itself has changed so right. many times in the last three years. Right. Uh, that I think the answer to your question is just, you know, ensuring that you're able to stay one step ahead and just be aware of what is happening because how, what technology fits into your stack, uh, you know, you, you never know how it'll incrementally increase the value of what you create. And, and, you know, the way we're doing it now at Quidditch is to, is to build an independent innovation lab that essentially works on just R and D. So we're just, you know, experimenting with the latest things, what is happening in LM, LLM, what is happening in, uh, you know, regenerative art, experimenting with these algorithms to be able to make sure that we understand enough of it, that mm -hmm. the moment we find a plug and play into our existing stack, we're just able to, you know, pick up something, plug it into our uh, existing workflows and, and, you know, deliver it to the world. Incredible. So one more question relating to 
Quidditch and then I want a few questions on the Drone Federation. Rather, someone who's significantly impacted the way we consume sports and media, what is your vision for the future of sports broadcasting? So I think I'll answer in, in two forms. The short form, the short, short term for us is to be able to integrate pieces of technology uh, and deliver sort of this technology as a package solution to viewers in a way that they can connect to the sport a lot more. Mm -hmm. uh, for us, sport is all about the unity and all about the excitement that brings us together. Uh, I don't think there's anything uh, like sport that you know transcends across boundaries, religions, political allegiances. You know, when you are supporting a Mumbai Indians or when you're supporting the Indian team, it doesn't matter what background you come from, you are all one. And I think that's something really, really powerful about sport. We want to be able to use our technologies to be able to increase that engagement, excitement and, and commitment towards sport uh, in the short term. In the long term for us, what is really, really exciting is the ability to be able to take the stadium experience into people's homes. Mm -hmm. uh, sport started, you know, uh, in the stadium, that was the way that we consumed it. It went from there to newspapers, to radio, to TV. And then, you know, the last upgrade of, of content has moved on to OTT, which has become a very, very individual experience. You're on your mobile phone, you're sitting and watching the sport. And, you know, there isn't any kind of human connection left. You're, you're left with, you know, just the video of what's happening on the field and yourself. Yeah. But that feeling of in, standing in the stadium and suddenly the national anthem plays and you have goose pimples... Uh, that feeling of when there is a six and everybody rises in that excitement. Mm -hmm. We want to be able to deliver that experience again back at home. And we're building an entire technology stack that now will, will enable viewers sitting on their couch to experience what it is to be in the stadium while leveraging all of the advantages of, of what we have with, with television broadcast of replays and, and being much closer to the action. And we're building sort of an experience that, that bridges that gap uh, to just fundamentally enhance the viewing experience of sport. Incredible. So you, you you think that uh, we'll see Quidditch and all your products in the metaverse so that I can, sitting on my couch, see the game in three dimensions? Very soon. Very soon. I look forward to that. Thank you. So, Rahul, now let's talk a little bit about the Drone Federation of India. Tell me a little bit more about uh, the Drone Federation of India and its mission. And for my viewers and listeners, this may not be as exciting as all the stuff that you've just heard from Rahul on Quidditch. No, it is actually very exciting. Um, it's it's a testament to uh, the government. It's a testament to what we've been able to achieve in the as a country. Um, you know, over the last few years, the Drone Federation of India was something that we put together as a bunch of five six companies about six years ago, uh, where you know we could see that the regulation of drones was was not uh, something that was conducive to. Uh, the industry being able to grow. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we realized that, you know, the, the government needs some sort of a support system to be able to at least get knowledge sharing from the industry in a more streamlined manner so that, you know, there wasn't a gap of information as they made the regulation. Uh, the regulation itself was very complicated because it's it's not just one ministry that needs to, you know, just write a piece of uh, regulation. It Because there are security risks, there are all kinds of risks. It was multiple ministries getting together to be able to build out a regulation and i think as the drone federation we kind of built it with the mission to be uh, the bridge between industry and uh, 
industry re regulators and academia. And I think we've been able to do a really, really successful job. Uh, the, the team and the secretariat that runs it has, you know, built it with a lot of passion and there's a lot of time and effort that's gone into, you know, just getting all the stakeholders on board to be able to understand that we're here just to be able to support both sides, which is the industry and, and government in just ensuring that we can have a robust regulation. We can have an industry that grows uh, because, you know, with the size of the landmass in India, the potentials of drones is, is probably the most valuable in our country because, you know, what drones are able to do is, is able to get from point A to point B in lesser amount of time than, than any other uh, piece of technology in that form factor. Uh, and because of the landmass that we have, just the applications across all industries is pretty phenomenal. So I think it was it, the mission was to be able to get to a point where regulation allowed us to be able to operate. Uh, it took a little bit of time, but I think where we are at and what the Federation has been able to do in the process of, uh, you know, supporting the regulation, getting it to where it is and, and making it, uh, you know, day by day more and more accessible to everyone, I think is something that uh, I'm really, really proud of and really happy that the government was able to see that support and, and you know, give it its um, you do you space to be able to give uh, you know the recommendations and suggestions to get us to where we are today. Amazing. Two more questions for you. My next question is: Are there still any major regulatory challenges facing the use of drone technology in India? So yes, they are. Uh, but I think the difference between where we were a few years ago and today is that today there is clarity. Uh, today there is a regulation that you can read. There is something that is a yes and something that is a no. Where there is a yes, you can go and fly. Where there is a no, you can apply for a uh, you okay. know exemption. Mm -hmm. So, I think I think what's fundamentally changed is that there is at least a process. There is you know that you know this this is an okay and this is not an okay. And I think that's a much better place to be than just not knowing and always having to look over your shoulder and be like, oh, am I doing something wrong? Mm -hmm. uh, because you know, in 2018, we were in a in a situation where there was a complete ban on drones in the country, and you know. Suddenly, we we were going from one of the most exciting businesses to effectively a completely illegal business, and yeah. we were like, you know, what's going on? Uh, so I think it's a much better place than that. There are definitely challenges, mm -hmm. uh, but I think as as we keep moving forward, the the intent from the ministry, both you know, from the minister, the joint secretary, everybody is making a very consolidated effort to make it easier. The you know earlier we used to feel that the effort is is actually to make it harder. Uh, but clearly now the intent is to make it easier so that industry can 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 flourish. And I think that that intent is very clear and that intent is also converting into action very clearly. Fascinating. And my last question to you, uh, how is the Federation working towards responsible drone usage? And are there any exciting projects of the Federation that you may want to share with us? So currently, a lot of the time and effort goes on to policy and, you know, just bringing the industry and academia and, and, and regulators together. But I think, you know, certain times when, when we need to be able to help the Drone Federation really comes into action and, you know, activates the whole industry really, really well. I think one of the most interesting examples that I saw was during COVID, uh, you know, where suddenly police in different areas reached out to us and said that, you know, we want to be able to find people that are breaking the law and, and actually stepping out uh, into the into the streets. Uh, and suddenly we created this entire network of drone operators that were, you know, sitting in their homes, being able to fly for the police without actually having to leave, uh, upload to a centralized portal in Mumbai where the police was being able to access all of this and wherever they found people, they were GPS tagged 
and immediately a local policeman could could go to that area and make sure that people were going back into their houses. Mm. You know, that's a small example of what we did during COVID. There have been lots of other examples of how we've activated. You know, there's somebody in um, in Nepal during the Annapurna uh, climb had a fall into a crevice to activate drones to get there to be able to support the government with any of cross-border terrorism and be able to, you know, go into the details of what is happening with inside the drone, where it came from and so on. So we're, you know, we're able to find lots of different ways to be able to support the ecosystem in just, you know, helping the use of drones in, in a, in a man manner that is good for society. And at the same time, uh, you know, advocate for as much good drone use as possible. How amazing. And on that note, Rahat, I just want to say what an amazing conversation I've had with you. Thank you so much for talking to me about what you say, you know, was an accidental journey from being a filmmaker to becoming such a major player in the drone business through Quidditch Innovation Labs. Thank you for talking to me about so many different aspects of sports uh, coverage using drones. And I'm sure you're just about beginning to scratch the surface between uh, cricket and now with live golf. Thank you also for talking to me about some of the work that you're doing for India through the Drone Federation. Thank you again for speaking to me and good luck. Thank you so much, Ashutosh. Have a good day ahead. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.